welcome to Pericope, the podcast for the Canterbury Episcopal Group at Columbia, Barnard, and Fordham. I'm Ryan Karatko, the Episcopal Chaplain. Our episode today is the sermon from October 18th, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. If you'd like to see the readings, they're easy to find on the usual lectionary websites. And if you'd like to see Michelangelo's picture of God's butt from the Sistine Chapel, it's referenced in the sermon, and of course you want to see it, there is a copy on the website. Thanks for joining us. Today we hear the story of what is sometimes affectionately called the mooning of Moses, um, and I think that it might be a good one for us to think about. Uh, as, as you can see in our art selection for this evening from the Sistine Chapel, this is certainly how Michelangelo interpreted the experience. I just want to point out that Michelangelo could have had God's robe neatly covering God's butt, but chooses not to. Uh, and I think it is, there's all kinds of interesting reasons for that, I think. Um, the sermon will not run exactly parallel with Michelangelo there, but I, I, I mean, I just, that's sometime, that's, I think that's worth unpacking. I find that to be really interesting. In the text itself, though, we have the story of Moses, who is up on the mountain with God and trying to figure out what this is going to be like. And Moses think is thinking about the future. Uh, he's thinking about what this is what what this is going to be, and he's worried that he's going to have God's favor. Uh, Moses has brought all these people out of slavery. They're in the desert, and he wants to figure out what it's going to be like. Because if God's not going to go with them, then then it, that's it. None of this will have meant anything on some level. And so God promises uh, only presence and rest, which I think to be just absolutely fascinating promises. Uh, but then Moses says, no, no, we really, we, I would love to see your glory. Give me some sort of evidence about what the future is going to look like. And God replies, very interestingly, I... Uh, I am gracious to those whom I am gracious, and I have mercy on those who I have mercy. God really kind of refuses to answer Moses' questions about the future, and instead says, you can't see my glory, um, because to see my glory is to, you can't see my face, because to see my face is to die. Um, H.P. Lovecraft is having a moment, and so H.P. Lovecraft, I don't know if any of you read Lovecraft, but Lovecraft is sort of having a moment, and he's a horror writer who's really interested in the idea that there's these gods in the outer reaches, and that to see them is to go insane, and the mind can't handle it. Um, and he's having a moment, because while he was a really racist dude, retelling his stories and sort of critiquing that racism uh, makes for really interesting stuff. So, But it's, it, that idea doesn't really originate with H.P. Lovecraft. It really it comes from sources more like this one, this idea that God God so outstrips human mind that to try and see God's mind is to sort of, is to end mortality. It's to end human life. Um, you'll it, it you'll notice that in our canticle today from the Book of Revelation that everyone sees God face to face because there's this there's the sense in Revelation that we've all been fully adopted by God and our human life has ended. Has the same sort of sense that God is so overwhelming. But so God says, but to give you some promise about what things will look like, I can't show you the future. I can't show you what's in front of me, but I can show you my literal behind. I can show you the place where I have previously walked. Um, I'll cover you up until I'm by. Um, I'll put you a cleft in the rock and then I'll take away my hand and you can see literally my back. You can see where I have already been. I think that this is... Uh, a vital a vital and an interesting lesson for Moses. For Moses, it's going to be that 
he can't forecast where God is going to be in the future, and he can't know what that's going to look like. Instead, God seems to literally be saying, you cannot see me and what I'll be up to or know for sure what the future holds, but you can always look back. Sorry, I, we have a child in the other room who is objecting. Um, you can literally, it, it, you'll be able to go and, and see where you've been. And for Moses, that's going to be the Ark of the Covenant, which he is going to build with great painstaking careness according to God's instructions. It's going to be the Torah. It's going to be the Ten Commandments. It's going to be this mountain, literally, where Moses is standing. Moses is going to be asked to, uh, it, to create liturgy for the Passover to, so that when people most need to know that God is present, God in this story invites them to look not to the future because God will have mercy where God has mercy, but instead to look to the past. That it's in looking to the past that God is found and encountered and the support that is needed and the favor and the promise that things are going to work out okay. All of that, God says, comes from the past and then literally shows where God has already walked, God's backside, as an example of that. I've just been thinking about that a lot uh, in, in, in preparation for our gathering today, um, not not only because I'm very fond of the mooning of Moses, I think it's interesting for a lot of reasons, not only its appearance in art, but this idea that that God, we could only in some sense point to where God has been. We can't ever say exactly where God is going to go in the future, that God is merciful in ways we don't expect and can't predict, and that God is gracious in ways we don't expect and can't predict. And it makes, I think, for interesting reading for us, who are right now probably more future-obsessed than we have ever been, at least for in my lifetime, with the election coming, um, with the spring semester looming, with everyone in around the city being fearful that there's going to be a lockdown uh, eventually, sometime over the winter, as cases slowly start to rise, uh, as everyone watches England and its cases rise. Um, I, we are trying to figure out, is this what my senior year is going to be look like? Is this what my college career is going to look like sitting on Zoom? It's depressing, um, literally. And it's so interesting to be reading this, I think, to be, to, be, to be praying with Exodus today and to hear God's response to Moses that if we want to find comfort in, that, in, in the future, the place we have to start really is the past. We have to look to those places where we have known God before, that that's where the content of the promise is. That's where there is hope. That's where there is evidence of, uh, of God's passage, of God's backside, is in the places we have encountered it before. And Moses and God seem deeply aware that this can easily turn into idolatry, that it's sometimes easy to kind of languish and fantasize about the past and just live there. And that's always a risk about this. But that in using the past well and engaging with it, those places where we have known God, those places where God has spoken to us, we can find proof of God's favor, to use Moses's language. We can find evidence for the love that we have known, and that can provide us strength to keep going. I think that's an interesting and just very countercultural message for all of us who are just deeply future obsessed at the moment. That if we are so future obsessed, perhaps now is the right moment instead to look backwards, to spend some time gathering ourselves from the past. 
Uh, I am. I, I was pointed. It was pointed out to be month, once by a monk, and monks sometimes point out really good things. That the word to remember does mean to look in the past, but it does also literally mean to put your members back on, um, to put your arms and your legs and the parts of us that have been cut away in all the exigencies of trying to exist and move forward in time. Now is a time to remember, to recreate, to put, to go and get back in touch with those places that we have known God. So for the sake of just ease, too, I'll just invite us um, to think about that, those places where we encounter God. And we might think about it in terms of places we've encountered God in the church or places that we've encountered God out of the church. In many ways, the church, which is modeled on the liturgical presence that comes out of this conversation between Moses and God, the church is in many ways just a community of remembering, reading ancient texts, doing ancient weird prayers, doing strange crossing of ourselves and lighting candles and and, and parading and offering incense as ways to remember. As we all need to remember in this time, I think the church might be really important for us. Because of the pandemic, it's not going to be the church exactly as we imagine or as we had hoped for. I, when I was an undergraduate, um, my parents had gotten divorced my senior year in high school. Um, and I longed for like somewhere to go and remember. And instead of getting to go to the Episcopal church I went to growing up, I had to go to my dad's Episcopal church in suburban um suburban Chicago, outside of Chicago, suburban Illinois, with a priest who every time before the creed would stand up and say, Christians, what do you believe? I could have died. I just could not stand that church. Um, it couldn't it, it it couldn't help me to remember. But I will also, in fact, it made me cry, but it also put me in mind of what does make me remember, which is Christmas. I love Christmas. I love Advent. And some stupid church can't take that away from me. Um, there is something so wonderful and so powerful about the gathering and, and remembering the, the incarnation. Um, all of my children are named after poets, and each one of those poets wrote a great poem about the incarnation and about Christmas. I love it. I love that, I love that time. Um, it is a remembering to me of all the times that God has spoken and I have felt God's favor and it and it provides. Now is a good time for all of us to think about when are those times in, in ritual in churches that we have found and we can remember where God has been in touch with us. In Thanksgiving, in Halloween, I actually have very fond liturgical remembrances of Halloween. We used to do a liturgy in the cemetery at seminary, um, which always seemed like a fun game until one of our classmates died. And then it became one of the most powerful services we had in seminary, remembering Adam. Um, Church may not be able to happen in the ways that all of us would prefer, but where can it happen for you? Where can it happen for us? How can we remember Christ's presence and get in touch with it? How can we see God's backside so that we can move forward? And of course, we also run into God outside the church. It's not as if the liturgy of the church has a lock on it. All of us have those different practices that help us get in touch with the divine. And it can be really formal things like meditation or really informal things like walking through nature. Or it can even be, uh, for me, for many years, it was driving in my car and listening to music quite loud. Where is it that, where is it that we get in touch and remember, put ourselves back together, we recreate. 
in a time when we are all so future focused and there's so much to be doing, everyone should vote. We'll pray for the state of our country in the election in this service. All, there's so much to be thinking about about our semester. Good God, about next semester, who even knows? There's so much to be doing. But if we're going to have the energy to do that, we're going to need the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to need the liturgy and the teaching of Moses. We're going to need Jesus and the, and the story of Jesus's life that we follow year after year. We're going to need all of those places where in our life before we have seen and known that God loved and cared for us. If we want to see what the future holds, I think now is probably the right time to spend some time finding and remembering God's backside, where God has been, and remember. Amen. Amen. If you like what you hear, please feel free to share it around. You can find a copy on our website, CanterburyNYC.org, under the Uptown section or from your usual podcast streaming places. If you'd like to comment, feel free to send me an email, chaplain.ryan at CanterburyNYC.org. Our music today is Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. And it's licensed under Creative Commons. You can find all of those details in the show notes. And the great grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you always. Mm-hmm.